And welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast. And I'm back. Uh, Andrew Monk, the Chief Executive of VSA Capital. I'm back from my trips to Cornwall and South Africa. Phil, did you miss me? Lord, of course I did. Of course I did. It's just not been the same, Andrew. What the bloody hell do you do with the markets, though? They're all falling out of bed. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> no, they really are. Is this going to get the label of the crash of 22 in the same way that we've had, you know, the crashes of 87 and various things like that? I'm going back a bit in my old age, but, you know, we've it's been, pretty grim. It is pretty grim out there. And look, the only thing is it's grim. You can understand why it's grim. Um, you know, we've obviously got the Ukraine war, the zero COVID China policy, which is disrupting supply chains, etc. Inflation at 9%, interest rates going up. Uh, a consumer squeeze like there's no tomorrow. I mean, the list is endless, but we do know all about it. So in a way, it should be factored in. It clearly isn't because the market's down 180 today. Uh, and we saw big slides uh, in America last night and Asia this morning. Um, but, you know, there's the what if. What if one of those negative things was removed, which it could be? Does the market then go better? I don't know. Anybody who's got a view, feel free to direct message us. So, yeah. <laughs> you, you, what I do know is this. I'll tell you what I'm going to interrupt you again. What I do know is this, right? If we look at something like the dot-com bubble, all right, I, I remember um, at the time I was uh, broking arm very aggressively. Uh, I was the broken arm. I was I floated them in London uh, in the first place, actually. They actually floated on NASDAQ first. I then dual-listed them in London. Um, and I do remember... Actually, they were on a P of about 500 at the top of the dot-com bubble. Uh, and I remember trying to claim that it was a new paradigm, that there never is a new paradigm. The PE was absurdly high. So, of course, the stock had to come back. And it did. It came whizzing back. But actually, and I did own them, and I still own them when they came whizzing back, and I still own them, though, when they then went whizzing back up again. And actually, a good company, as long as you can hold it through a crash and hold it longer term, actually will outperform. And we'll go back to higher levels. So we shouldn't panic, is the answer. Don't go running behind the sofa. Just turn your screens off. Go out and sit in the garden for the summer and come back. And all will be fine. I think there's a lot in that, Andrew, because I remember post the Lehman's crash, um, covering a number of industrials companies in the FTSE 250 that had terrific global brands, great customer bases. Um, and you knew that when the economy turned and things turned, they would certainly be benefiting. Um, and those share prices all came back and boy, boy, did they come back. So that's, you know, that's some good advice there. And look, the other thing is, right, the money hasn't actually gone away. It hasn't gone away because governments around the world just keep printing it. Um, it's just moved out of equities. But there's still money around the world. And the sort of thing we're going to start to see now is what we've seen in Vodafone which is where an Emirati shareholder has come in and bought 10%. And I think if you see stock prices falling too much, you're going to see a lot more of that. Um, and so, again, just bear that in mind when you're looking at your portfolio. If something's fallen too far, just think, hang on a second, there's somebody going to come and take a stake, somebody going to take it over. There is, there's no question that it's going to be a lot of m and activity in the next 18 months. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What, do, what do you think of the Vodafone? We, we've been talking about it a lot for the last, oh God, ever since we started this podcast, I suppose, 18 months ago. 
um, saying that we quite like the sort of revival of, of the telecoms industries. Vodafone actually hasn't, you know, it's got very stuck in a range of sort of, I don't know, 120 to one sort of 40 sort of thing, a very tight range going a bit sideways. What, what do you think of that deal, Phil? Uh, I well, having changed mobile phone provider, I mean, it's it, look, look, you could you could change. It's not always the smoothest of of processes, but once you've got a good provider and used to it, you're pretty unwilling to change back. There's a good degree of stickiness in the business, and my provider, who remain unnamed, has been putting their prices up. But actually, the prices were so good in the first place. You're thinking, well, you know, that that's that's quite bearable. So there's a good there is a you know, there's a, a decent element of, of stickiness in these businesses. Whereas if you're, you know, a retailer or you've got certain retail products, you might want to cheat, switch to something that's a lot cheaper the next week when you go and buy it. Uh, you know, it's easier to do. So, do you think you're on blue peter or something? You can't name what the sticky back plastic is or whatever, you know. Oh, yeah, well, all right, then there you go. I'm with Virgin Media, my mobile, and their network is provided by Vodafone, Andrew, and it's very good. Very good. Look, I actually think, you know, whenever I would be a buyer of Vodafone. At the end of the day, look, you've got these guys coming in buying 10%. According to my screen here, it's yielding 6.5%. It's a 30 billion market cap company. Mobile phones aren't going away. What's the bloody downside? And it's throwing off plenty of free cash. Correct. So actually, I'd be a buyer. I'd join in with the Emiratis and I would buy Vodafone. There you go. There's a view for you. Uh, now, talking, we're just talking about things falling out of bed and craziness. Uh, one of the crazy things I want to just point out to you is that the, if you remember a year ago, you know, everybody's jumping up and down and saying, we've got to change the rules in London. We've got to allow SPACs to be floated. Look, everyone's doing SPACs. We're missing out on a trick or two. Luckily, the sensible people didn't join in with the idiots who were sort of pleading that we should change the rules because SPACs in the US have absolutely tumbled. The one I've been watching is EOS. I watch it because it's in long duration energy storage and uh, it was one of those things that everyone was saying, look, aren't they brilliant? Aren't they brilliant? You know, and obviously, we, you know, we'll come on to the fact that we act for a long duration energy storage stock. Well, it's collapsed from $30 to $1.40. That is not very impressive. Uh, and the whole SPAC market in the US has completely collapsed. And as I say, luckily, we didn't change our ways just because of a few silly voices. Um, but, you know, long duration and Long duration energy storage is uh, is still happening. You know, the fact of the matter is, it's it's a trend that is just not going away. Now, I, I know we obviously act for Infinity Energy Systems. A lot of people are getting very frustrated. Um, they have to say there's not enough news, not enough things going on. Um, they did announce this week. It was a rather strange announcement. They announced they appointed EAS advisors in, in New York to help them with their U.S. strategy, and they also said there's a bit of a U.S. strategy change. But unfortunately. I was actually involved with drafting that RNS, and, and various people said we couldn't say certain things. Um, so, for instance, if you're about to get a listing in America, you're not apparently supposed to say that you are until you've actually got it, which to me is a bit silly. Uh, likewise, if you were about to say that, you know, certain other things, they, they don't want you to say it. So, you, what I would say in that RNS is read in a lot more than actually said. I probably can say that, I think. The other thing that I would say is, you know, at the moment, most people are aware that debt around the world is is going through the roof. I think I read something like it's $340 trillion global debt. It's crazy. Uh, but what I will tell you is that in California, they actually this year ran a $97 billion surplus. That's extraordinary. Wow. 
So California is awash with money. California wants energy storage. California actually wants non-lithium energy storage. The one issue, though, in California for our client is California wants to buy an American product backed by American investors for American users. So you've got to make your company look American. Actually, wasn't that sort of what the RS was saying? Could have been. Anyway, there's another little clue for you. Go on, give me away the clues today. <laughs> you are indeed. You, yeah. You've got to read into a lot of my thinking, and a lot of my thinking is pretty wacky, but there you go. Um, now, uh, there's, uh, there's a few little results and news bits out today, not a huge amount, uh, but we was, uh, I've seen a couple of companies, I think you've seen a couple of companies, you may come on to that, but I saw Diploma had some pretty good interims, I don't know if you looked at them, Phil. Uh, no, it didn't. All right, I confess, I missed Diploma, you, you spot some and I spot some. Come on, tell us about Diploma, Andrew, because that well, is, it's, it's seals and medical equipment and stuff, it's really good business, that. Yeah, no, look, Diploma is a good business. I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm, I'm the world's expert on Diploma, but we, we have picked it up a few times, actually, uh, on this podcast, hmm. um, basically because, um, yeah, it seems to keep on delivering. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, look, it, it had, uh, oh, got which day it was, it was one day this week, anyway, uh, and they, I think they were interims, um, but yeah, they're just, they're just sort of knocking in the numbers with sort of 20% plus growth. Um and it's a it's a quality business, isn't it? Yes, uh, it is. I don't, I don't think they're about to um, fall off a cliff. They seem to be able to keep it going. Yeah, it's been it's been listed for a good while, and to deliver in this in this environment is uh, is a pretty credible thing to be be doing. But uh, you know, that's a good company. Uh, and you know, I'll tell you what, they had a 20% increase in the interim dividend. And the outlook positive and unchanged. So you can't ask for much more than that. So that was one that I saw um, out this week. Um, go on, your turn, and then we'll, we'll we'll go backwards and forwards on a few results. Yeah, no. why not? I saw. Um, okay, so we we talked about um, about defence for for obvious reasons, but you see, defence technology company Kinetic uh, had its full year results. So take a look at it's QQ.L. Um, and look, the shares have had an obviously a, a, a good rise uh, and not surprising. But what was quite interesting about this is is just its general view of the defence sector, where it sees budgets um, going uh, and the part that it plays plays in it. But they, um, you know, they'd seen a, a, an increase in their full year sales from but one point, well, one point two seven eight billion up to one point three two billion. Uh, the operating profit um, was was down a bit. Um, I'm not going to the detail on that specifically, but they'd, but more importantly, they'd seen record uh, order intake and high growth in Australia, uh, but also in the UK. Um, so look, it's it's a it's a defence play, and I'm sure one to look at, continue to look at in the current environment. Yeah, well, actually, I'll be honest with you, I didn't spot that one. So my 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 turn to pull one, and that actually the one I looked at was uh, I think you pronounce it Eco. Uh, I may have got that wrong. Apologies if I have. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's it's been having a pretty torrid time, as as have a lot of tech stocks. They've all come flying off. I actually picked this one up because it's in my mother's IHT portfolio. Uh, by the way, I haven't told her how her portfolio is performing at the moment because she's just coming up to her 90th birthday, and I don't want to upset her. But it's right. having a pretty tricky time. Um, my poor old mother. Um, anyway, look, the whole objective is to get 
avoid IHT um, not to actually perform. But the, uh, they did announce uh, that they had a full year trading update. They said that their board expects revenue and profit for full year 23 to be significantly higher than full year 22, um, mainly because of the successful integration of Syntec, which was uh, an acquisition they made. They do US secure payments, um, cloud stuff, all sorts of things, don't they? I, I don't really understand yeah. what it has, to be honest with you. Yeah. You probably know it better than me. Did you see that one? Uh, just... <laughs> no. Ah, we're having oh, fun games here, aren't we? Uh, the only That's, thing they did say, they did say well, at the end of this very positive trading <laughs> segment, they did say uh, these expectations are subject to ongoing uncertainty in the macroeconomic climate, which pretty much every company is having to say. So anyway, well, there's another one. Yeah, All yeah, right, your yeah. turn, Phil. You name well, one. See if I um, yeah, ga Gamma Communications. Nope, didn't see that. <laughs> right, okay. Well, that's why there are two of us on this podcast, Andrew. Um, gamma Communications at GAMA is a ticker 1.1 billion market cap. They have an AGM trading update. Um, and Gamma um, provide UK base, provide high-speed data networks, including what are called uh, SIP trunks. Uh, into into offices and environments. They also do things like uh, cloud-based comms, including um, PBX systems. So this is the switching systems that you have to switch between phones in offices. Um, and they have an AGM trading update, and um, they've said that they're expecting sort of second half revenue growth of 10%. Um, they've seen strong momentum for their cloud PBX in European business. And I guess, you know, also you've got to remember lots of folks are back in the office uh, and using all those phones and their tech, uh, which is good. Uh, they've maintained their average uh, revenue per unit in terms of sales. So I generally looked a pretty decent um, trading update. And the shares have been, in this one, have been off since they reported interims in June. And I think part of the reason then was they've made an acquisition in Germany uh, that included had mobile revenues, which were commission based at the time, and they were on a lower margin and that affected group performance. So that didn't help the share price, but the shares have come off um, and it's got 54 million in cash on the balance sheet and it's on EV EBITDA 10 times, falling to nine times. And they're forecasting the estimates. This is on ICON for 9% APS growth. So want to keep an eye on because it has a very broad um, client uh, client base uh, and it is office related comms. So worth, you know, it has come off. So worth keeping an eye on. Well, I mean, all of these stocks basically come off miles. Yeah. They're all starting to look really interesting. I mean, it's because uh, you can only buy stocks if you've got cash available. If you were fully invested when you went into this crash, then you Bad luck. Uh, two that I'll just comment on, which you, you, one I'm sure you saw, the other maybe not, but they're, they're more sort of snippets. And, um, but I noticed that Nanoco Group, which is fascinating, they're having this litigation against Samsung. Uh, they announced this week that the uh, US Patent Trial and Appeal Board has ruled in favour of Nanoco and responded to all 47 claims. Um, Nanoco at some stage are going to win. I mean, unfortunately, the stock price now is just a litigation bet. Um, yes. But I find that interesting. And then the other one, which I'm sure you saw today, which um, it was, I mean, I love the way they wrote this RNS, um, but it was Dark Trace. Oh, uh, yeah. Statement in relation to recent media speculation. Yes. Uh, Dark Trace notes the recent share price movement and also media speculation about the company in relation to its civil proceedings in connection with the sale of autonomy. Neither Dark Trace nor any of its acting executives was a party to the civil proceedings. Neither Dark Trace nor its 
acting executives are the target of any investigation. We see no link between dark trades and the civil actions against Dr. Mike Lynch by Hewlett Packard or its subsidiaries. There's been no change to the prospect or trading of the business since our last update. Full stop. That told you, didn't it? Well, it did. Um, yes. And the, uh, the, the judge on the civil case was a 1,600 page finding. I thought, oh, my, my word. Anyway, so that, that's nearly as long as the, the Johnny Depp Amber Heard case or it's case number three. I, I forget how many litigation or you know, court cases they've done between the two of them. They just keep going back, don't they? It's like, it's like sort of, you know, Harry Potter. Like you have about six series or something, you know. <laughs> The Amber Heard Johnny Depp saga. Yes, well, I'm, I'm sure they'll need more funding at some stage, Andrew, so there must be a role to play. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll make a film of it all, won't they? And they can actually be the actors themselves. Yeah, yeah. Talk to films, by the way. Are you looking forward to Top Gun coming out? Yes, I am. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I mean, you know, it was Top Gun. The first Top Gun has to be one of my favourite films. Top Gun Maverick or Top Gun 2, whatever it's going to be called. God, I can't wait to go and see it. It's going to be fantastic. We Sorry, did. we diversified there. Now, <laughs> have you got any more results or anything you want to comment on, Phil? <laughs> we did. Um, other one I spotted this week was uh, IDOX. Uh, IDOX is the ticket, IDOX, 284 million market cap. First off results, a software company. Um, I don't know if you've come across these guys before, but they uh, provide software into the public sector. Um, and this is for uh, land, uh, people planning is the way to describe planning systems, electrical management software, uh, but also, and I know this, they do uh, engineering document management software uh, for industry, including oil and gas and architecture, construction, mining. Uh, but they had a uh, first off results and their revenues were up 7%, million, adjusted EBITDA of 11 million, and that was up 8%. Um, and order up intake up 7%. So actually, in again, in given circumstances, nay bad. Uh, and I guess if they're providing their software into councils where spend has been under pressure for so long, we've forgotten how long it's been under pressure, uh, and the spread of industries, uh, that's probably a pretty good thing as well. You know, it's pretty diversified. Yeah, it's a stock that's been around for a while. It's been a pretty volatile yeah. stock, isn't it? That's right, yep. It has. Yeah, okay. it has. Any others? Yeah. Do you know what? It, it, God, the messages in this market at the moment. Um, this is in the, this is for the chip industry. Uh, ST Microelectronics. Um, they're they're a global major, and they uh, you know I know them. They they provide uh, silicon chips for the automotive markets, smartphone markets, uh, mobile networks, cloud services. But they came out with um, just setting out sort of longer term goals, really. Um, and it said that they, they came out with a, a, a midterm sales target, uh, which was a 30 percent increase from the top of range of its expectations for this year, at 15 billion and a longer range target of 20 billion by 2027. Um, but it was a really sort of, you know, a positive update. Um, and and how it was seen, particularly electrification of of automotive drive driving things for them. But they supply Apple and they supply Tesla, ST Microelectronics, um, Infineon as well. Another chip maker increased its uh, increased its guidance, albeit by half a billion euros to 13.5 billion. But it was an increase in guidance. Um, and then Samsung, 
And here's inflation for you. Samsung apparently putting up their contract manufactured chips, um, ones that they make for other people, up by 20%. Um, yeah. And it, it, so, so on one hand, you're seeing sort of positive demand from the from from these folks. Um, so clearly, right now, they're seeing no lack of demand from their end customers. Uh, be it in the you know in the automotive space or mobile networking, so yeah, we shall we shall see, and that's the key key in all of this, isn't it, Andrew? Is to see where demand actually real demand is falling. I, I think or, it will fall off the cliff. To be honest with you, Phil, I think yeah. the summer is going to be we're going to see quite a quite a significant sudden yeah. switch. Uh, by the way, talking of goals, um, of course, Rangers could have done with another one last night, couldn't they? Uh, yes. <laughs> anyway, I uh, hope there are no yeah. Rangers fans watching this, listening to this rather. We're only talking, we're not actually filming. Um, I tell you what, we, I saw a couple of companies this week, one of which I saw with you. Uh, the one we saw together was actually a really interesting meeting, I've got to say. Um, James Cropper. Uh, they're in closed periods, so we unfortunately couldn't discuss anything that was, um, you know, very up to date, should we say. But it was very interesting catch up. You know, a lot of people think James Cropper, family owned business, making you know, smart paper, or should we call it like that? But you know, I learned an awful lot from that meeting, Phil. It, it, that business is changing really quite dramatically. Um, very impressed by the CEO, Phil Wild. Um, but the sort of stuff they're doing with plastics, and particularly outer plastics rather than inner plastics that are completely reusable, the sort of recycling they're doing with all the McDonald's coffee cups and things like that is incredible. But also what they're doing in hydrogen and they're aimed to get basically 50% of their business into whether you want to call it, you know, the green ESG space within a couple of years. It was was very ambitious and impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, I really, I mean, the, the CRPR for investors is is the ticker, and it's 110 million market cap. The company, I mean, this is a, you know, this is, well, I think the company's well over a century old, uh, but you know formed by the Cropper family. It's always been, um, you know. Yeah, the Cropper family still own about a third of the company. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's specialist, I mean, Andrew, it's a specialist paper is at the, the sort of heart and foundation of it. And as you say, packaging and and they're using, you know, they are recycling the well, uh, coffee cup recycling program and reusing reusing that paper. And it is specialist paper for, for, for packaging. And as you pointed out, specialist packaging for, uh, for for drinks bottles, but paper is essentially a type of fibre, and they have highly specialised fibres uh, that they've developed that use on yeah the skins of wind turbines for lightning and static protection. They do composites for for aerospace and 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 then the hydrogen markets, as you point out, they do the gas diffusion layer membranes, and um, and they've publicly stated they've got about fifty percent of the um, you know the fuel cell market for membranes, and of course, electrolyzing membranes. It's yeah, it's an interesting business that's certainly changing shape. You know what? I mean, it is. Um, I mean, it's had a few sort of cautious moments, should we say, short term. But I, I suspect yeah. they're a pretty conservative company, aren't they? Yeah. I, I mean, look, as a stock, it had a fantastic run up, sort of 2009 to 2018, uh, and since then has you know come back from sort of uh, 2,000p to about 11,000p. I always get confused when I've got so many noughts. Um, but it's, I was really interested. I think we might, they're, they're based up near, 
based up north, aren't they? The Lake yes. District up north. You know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Quite close to Scotland, I think. Um, so, but I think we probably would go and visit them. Um, I was really, really quite taken by what I heard. Yeah, and and companies, you know, in 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 tougher markets like this, companies that have weathered things, been around for a long time, adapted themselves to end markets, are always companies that are worth looking at. I mean, the only problem is if you look at the the volume traded today, it's 582 shares only, so it's not a highly liquid stock. Uh, and it's probably one of those stocks you have to buy and tuck away for 10 years. Um, but I'm thinking of doing that. Well, yeah. uh, the other one I saw actually uh, today, uh, this week rather, and I had a very long meeting with actually, uh, was I met up with the CEO of IP Group. Um, IP Group, I, I, I do own personally. I think it's a really interesting group. A lot of people still associate it um, annoyingly with the Woodford fiasco. Some people say, oh, it's all just Oxford Nanoport, which it isn't. Um, but the stock, uh, I bought it at 70p. I did actually tweet when it got to 140. I've just doubled my money. Should I sell it? Gosh, I should listen to myself, though. Uh, and it's come all the way back down to about 80p. It's triggered a massive discount to its NAV, um, obviously because of what's happening in the, the macro environment. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, again, it was one of those conversations I can't really discuss a lot of what I was talking about. Um, but for what it's worth, I do think it's an incredibly cheap stock at 78p. The one interesting conversation that I had, which was we were talking about ARM, um, uh, the the, uh, the, F, the old FD of ARM used to be on the board of, of um, IP Group and is still very close to the company and they've been in and we were just talking about ARM and it's floating on NASDAQ, how disappointing it was that it was not floating in London. Uh, and I said to him, well, actually, the big mistake is that what they should have done is dual listed it on Acris. It would only have cost... Well, Obviously, the float hasn't actually happened yet, but that's what they should be suggesting. It would only be an additional de minimis amount of money, and it would mean that all UK shareholders could actually buy in, um, as well as it being on NASDAQ. And of course, Boris Johnson could stand up and say, yes, I got ARM back into the London market. Um, but I don't think he'll do that. Boris hasn't heard of Acris, I don't think. Um, he'll probably go, Acris, is that water? That's no good for Partygate, is it? Um, Oh, that was a bit of a naughty one. Anyway, it was a very interesting meeting, and I think IP Group is is uh, very very cheap. If, if you look at it on the chart again, it's come off obviously because all of tech has come off, um, but it's back down on its lows, and I believe it should be bought. There we are. Probably a good one, a good one to wrap up on there, Andrew. I think. Yeah, because I mean, there's actually not a lot of news, and the market's horrible. So, uh, as usual, if anybody disagrees with our views, do tell us. Um, we're always interested in, in the other side of the coin. Because uh, coins do have two sides. Uh, if anybody's got any questions, want to just get directly in touch with us. Hey, if anybody wants to sponsor us and pay us lots of money, feel free to get us in touch as well. No, I, I, that's a bit of a joke. Really. We, we do it for free. We love it. Uh, very good. Uh, and we will speak again next week because I am now well and truly back in this country. Excellent. Look forward to catching up next week, Andrew.